Welcome back, everyone, to Chat to Ween. I'm your host, Star Wars Only, joined with Darth Daddy Lunga and the Goldman. How you fellas doing? I'm really busy. Um, I've been working my ass off on my uh, Mary Sue video, which is basically done. Thank God. the The final <laughs> runtime is two hours and twenty six minutes. Wow! So, so basically, a Star Wars film. Yeah. So tomorrow, I'm probably gonna watch it like twice, just to you make sure. You want to chop that up into episodes? Ah, I'm not doing that. You're gonna do the whole two hours, two and a half hours of one video? Yeah. Wow. I, I, as a uh, creator, that's that's how I want my vision expressed. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, I've been almost done with that, and I've actually been skipping all my classes so I can finish it, which is probably not a good idea, but. Here we are. Nah, you you got to do the creative thing uh, uh, first before school. Uh, Lunga, I know you just reached a, um, you, what was it, your Kickstarter goal? You went a little yeah. bit over on that Isadora and the Mortal Chains comment that you have Thanks. coming out. How's that going? It went great. Thank you. And I appreciate you were one of the people that helped boost it too. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, it hit its goal. It was a $4,500 goal. We just made it, you know, the last night uh, we hit 4573 So it's happening. You know, uh, right now I'm in, uh, I'm in the, the editing phase again. Because uh, my artist, he sent me, he had all the pages complete like right before the Kickstarter started. Uh, but now I'm going over it with a fine tooth comb, seeing if there's any typos he put in uh, in the lettering and spaces, which I found some. So I had did those and sent it back to him, and he's fixing those. And now I'm just getting all the ducks in order to get everything ready to, to fulfill it. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Are, are you going to be able to do like a uh, kind of like you did with the uh, Souls of Magic Dawn, where you actually have it where like if we didn't donate to the Kickstarter, you can still buy the comic? When it comes out, uh, yeah. Now it's not going to be like that. One is different. It was a book, so I just put it in. Yeah. Uh, but with this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start another campaign on Indiegogo, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just going to make it a, a low a low goal, like five hundred dollars. That's the okay. minimum goal you can do. Yeah, and that's and, reasonable. And they are ba- and with Indiegogo, there's no end ending. You can make it a flexible goal and just, or a flexible ending, and let it just keep going perpetually. Um, so okay. with that. I'll put that small goal on there, and then it'll be basically what they call in demand. So if anyone wants to buy it, they just pledge it there, and we'll get they can get it from there. Well, I definitely look forward to it. I will be one of the uh, buyers for it, and congratulations on reaching you. your goal. Um, but for the news of the week, uh, we're back to Chat to Ween, and we actually have a few little updates uh, here on Chat to Ween. We talk about the news, topics, and the fandoms, and simply chat about star wars if you have any questions for us make sure to leave them in the live chat or send a super chat question so you can be guaranteed an answer to your question before the show is over and today we have some good news for the show not only do we have a brand new intro for you all to enjoy but we are also heading to spotify and itunes so anyone who does not want to watch the show can listen to us now on spotify and itunes most likely the day after but into the news we have the mandalorian season two trailer that finally dropped this week and we have a lot to speculate on as fans. Both you and McGregor and Liam Neeson speak out on the prequels and looking back at that trilogy. And there may be a new Mace Windu series in the works. And Mace Windu will be played by Samuel Jackson reprising his role apparently yet again. All that and more here on Chat to Wayne. World premiere. World That's premiere. That's great, man. I love that. Yeah. 
Very, very good trailer. Big shout out to kind of like the assistant for my channel on Instagram, a friend named Wyatt. He's been really helpful and he made that uh, intro for us. So thank you very much, Wyatt, if you're watching. But let's get into the Mandalorian season two trailer that came out. It, I think it came out, what was it, uh, September 15th? I mean, not, not too long ago. And that was the biggest news of the week. So after what felt like months of waiting, Lucasfilm finally dropped the trailer out of nowhere. And during the same week, season one, won five Emmys. A lot of questions came from the trailer, and we're here to give our takes and speculations. Longa, I'm going to give you the first question. What were your initial thoughts about the Mandalorian trailer? Uh, I liked it. I, I mean, I, those people, compl- a lot of complaints were, oh, we didn't see Ahsoka. We didn't see Ahsoka. Well, the show's not called Ahsoka. <laughs> it's called Mandalorian, right? Uh, that's what it's about. Um, and I don't think Ahsoka's going to be in it as much as they think uh, she is. Uh, but uh, it was an exciting trailer. It gave me all the bits I needed. Uh, started, you know, moving some excitement. You saw the, you know, his ship like kind of hurt, and then you see him go into the snow planet, which people are maybe thinking is Ilum. Uh, there's a ship behind him, by the way. If you notice, it looks like a clone era ship when he's on it kneeling by Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was starting making me think of of the end of uh, the Clone Wars. Maybe he's on the same planet. Uh, if Soko's going to be in this, they could they could maybe tie it all together. Uh, but there was a lot of cool stuff in it, and uh, I think it was looking great. We got Sasha Banks. Um, now they were talking about the Jedi when they showed her, so um, you know maybe she's playing a Jedi in this. So we'll see. Uh, but I mean, I think it it gave me all the it wet my beak enough uh, to anticipate mm-hmm. what's coming. Yeah, it looked really good, <clears throat> and, and and like you were saying, um, th- there's a lot of questions on what planets are we going to this season and and kind of where the story is going to be taking place this time around. Goldman, what did you think about the trailer? What were your initial thoughts? So I'm really happy with the trailer because personally, I don't want to see much. I mean, I love a lot of these Star Wars trailers just because, you know, it usually gets me hyped for something. This trailer didn't get me hyped for season two, but I don't think it really needed to. I mean, there's a lot of popularity around the show anyway. Um, they basically revealed nothing. The only thing that's in the trailer that's for us to speculate about is uh, Sasha Banks's character. People are like, is that Ahsoka? Is that Sabine? Is that someone else? Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, it, it was a fine trailer. Um, it's funny though. I th- I expected um, the trailer to like not break the fandom, but to make people super hyped about it. And it really didn't happen. Like no one's really talking about the trailer that much a few days later. Um, so it's interesting with that. I guess because people expected maybe like an Ahsoka reveal. Or some big like cliffhanger, you know how all these uh... all the names they gave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, were, I mean, uh... guys, I'm disappointed they cut us out of the trailer. <laughs> yeah, our, our cameos still yeah. haven't been revealed yet. Um, I'm excited <laughs> to see uh, the fans' reactions to it because everyone and their mother has a cameo. There's a lot of funny memes <laughs> that were going on around Twitter about like those guys who were saying that oh, Ahsoka's going to be in the trailer, and they she wasn't in the trailer, yeah. and so it was kind of mm-hmm. like the excuses that were coming out of well, I mean, maybe I don't. You kind of. You know they they couldn't really give a good reason, which hey, I mean not everyone gives a gets a no. good scoop. Or, you know uh, why? I mean, mm-hmm. Pedro, Pedro Pascal quit. You know. Halfway. Oh yeah, someone put that in the live chat before <laughs> the stream started. Like that's weird. Apparently, Pedro I don't believe that. Off of, no, it's Grace Randolph. I don't believe hardly anything that comes out of that woman's mouth. <laughs> it's from her. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's the one who started that rumor, and literally right before the trailer came out, she was saying that like there's going to be a big shift uh, around like halfway through the season um, for. The, yeah. the story, I guess. I, apparently, yeah. like something, someone wasn't happy with it. I don't know. It was not a very good uh, <laughs> scoop, if you will. Um, but the big question, of course, everyone is having is, uh, who do you think uh, Sasha Banks is playing? Uh, Longa, do you have any speculation on who she is? Because, like you said, they did mention the Jedi, 
when she showed up. But yeah. a lot of people were speculating that she could be Sabine. And definitely, it's not Ahsoka. I mean, she would look a lot different. But but who do you think this could be? Uh, you know, I mean, the robes alone make me think Jedi, right off mm -hmm. the bat. Okay, or at least a Force sensitive. You know, what I mean, because we got to get considered a time period here. Technically, that we know of. The only actual Jedi Jedi who calls himself a Jedi at this time, right after Return of the Jedi, is Luke Skywalker. Um, mm -hmm. We know we know we have uh, you know um, what's his face from uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, kind of probably maybe floating around. You know, we know Ahsoka's mm -hmm. out there. Ahsoka's not a Jedi anymore, but she still wears a robe similar to what the Jedi wear because it's a culture thing, I guess. You know. Yes. Um. So I, and they did say they were talking about the Jedi and sorcerers when they showed her. So. Could that be a fake tease, a red herring? You know, they might be saying that just to make us think that she's one, but she's not. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, the biggest thing I saw for why she could be Sabine was literally people saying, well, she has blue hair in the WWE. You know, I mean, it's like, come <laughs> on, is that, is that mm -hmm. why you think she's Sabine? They picked her because she has blue hair in the WWE. It's called a wig. That's not <laughs> your hair dye. You know, it's that's not why. But I don't think she's Sabine. Um, I don't, obviously, she's not Bo-Katan. I mean, Katie Sackhoff is supposedly, if she's the, Actually, in a show, I guess she's going to be Bo-Katan if anyone. Um, I think I think she's going to be a force sensitive. Someone, if not a Jedi or past Jedi, someone working with Ahsoka or the Jedi, uh, maybe trying to reform the order while Luke's doing his missions with uh, Lando. You know. Yeah, the, there's not a. I don't think a real good, clear answer from just what we saw alone. I like the idea that, like you were saying, that she could be a Jedi, but mainly because of the robes. And also, I think it would be kind of cool to learn a little bit about Luke's Jedi Academy during this time, because for me, it's almost around. hard to remember that like, they're not around. I mean, I mean it's been a short timeline. He did not start his 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 uh, academy until 12 years after the return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. So it's definitely this not period. This is when he was going oh. around collecting all the Jedi texts, mm -hmm. and he was doing stuff with Lando. And this, okay. was doing, this was his exploratory phase. He wanted to learn everything he could about the Jedi. That's fair. This is a little disappointing, but it also makes a lot of sense in terms of who Luke is as a character, mainly after Return of the Jedi and and where he would be in that point. But th then it kind of makes me question if she is a Jedi, because it's like, how many Jedi are actually running around this time? And, and I don't really like the idea that there there are any Jedi who lived past episode four other than Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. That's using uh, the word force sensitive. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. She could be someone that 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 uses the light side of the force and maybe works with Ahsoka or knows Ahsoka. It could mm -hmm. be someone I have to read through the novel again. I maybe it could be someone even from the Ahsoka novel. Yeah, that's true. You know I, mean? uh, I, have, I haven't read that one yet. Uh, Goldman, do you have any uh, speculation on who Sasha Banks is playing in this part right here for season two? Um, I do. I don't think she's going to be involved with the Jedi. I do think um, it's a red herring from the trailer. It actually kind of reminds me of the um, the first uh, Force Awakens trailer because I remember um, in that trailer, like it's Han narrating, and he says uh, he talks about the Force, and he says the Jedi, and when he says the Jedi, it shows Finn. So, and that's obviously not when what ended up happening. So, I don't think she's involved. With the Jedi. Sensitive. Yeah, but you know, uh, did, did, yeah. did he really have that plan back then? Whatever. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then I was going to bring this up, but uh, Lunga brought it up because, as someone who follows the extended lore, Luke's first technical student was Ben Solo. Um, so, I don't think he has any Jedi training with him. She could be someone that's involved with Luke. Maybe um, 
like an acolyte that um, is helping gather relics of uh, the Jedi, you know, text or something that would help him out. That's possible, but I don't see that happening because I feel like if Baby Yoda did end up with the Jedi or wherever they're taking him, that's going to be like the end of the series. Um, so I don't see them. Like, give me a sec. Because I feel like if they they talk about they need to leave Baby Yoda with the Jedi, right? That's something they address in the trailer. I yeah. feel like that's something that would ha potentially happen at the end of the series, end of the series. Because they're not going to continue on the show without Baby Yoda. I mean, too much marketing a, material now. Yeah, he's he's more of a face of the show than the Mandalorian is. Some could argue. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I don't think she's involved with the Jedi. I don't think we'll see um, much of the Jedi this season. I mean, there's of course Ahsoka. I don't think Sasha Banks is Ahsoka for obvious reasons. I don't think she's Sabine either. I mean, we don't even know if we'll see Sabine in the show. I, I think it's a new character that's going to be very interesting, have a very unique role. Um, yeah, to answer the main question, I think she's a completely new character that we don't know yet. Okay, I like that take. I, I would be more interested in her being a brand new character. Uh, last question for, I, I guess, mostly of the Mandalorian Season 2 topic from the trailer is, uh, I'll give it to you first, Longo. What are your hopes for Season 2? Um, my hopes are that we don't have what what you were kind of worried about that this is just another that every episode is just a member berry that we just have all these different characters yeah different things mm -hmm. uh, through every episode I, I want an actual story not just hey look here's baby yoda oh hey look here's sabine oh here's ahsoka oh here's mm -hmm. Bo-Katan. oh here's boba fett you know I, I i you know i hope there's a sorry now from what i gotten from season one they're not showing me that they're going to go that route they're, they're showing me that they're you know gonna uh hopefully give us a good story so that that's that's what my hopes are to have these characters in but have them be integral to the story not just there to like hey look <laughs> you know what i mean uh that's my main hope i'm with you there and, and I, I was you, you bring up what i was saying what my fear were uh, was for this entire uh season was hearing that not only are we bringing Ahsoka, supposedly Rex coming back, Boba Fett, Bogatan, Sabine, like so many characters where I'm like, man, are these each of these characters going to get their own episodes? Are they all going to be featured in one or two episodes? I mean, there's a lot to do mm -hmm. in only eight episodes, it sounds like. And, and one of the things that brought the memory barriers up for me was Tatooine. I mean, we're going back to mm -hmm. Tatooine, and it's a, actually one of the questions I did have for you guys. That I asked you, Goldman, why do you think and uh, we are going back to Tatooine? Why is Mando going back to Tatooine? And do you think this is a case of member barriers, or is it actually going to have an integral uh, part to the story this time around? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I I don't believe that Tatooine is going to play a significant role in this uh, season. I feel like he could be going back to Tatooine for one of many reasons, and I, I would bet that it's a pretty small reason. Like, maybe there's some bounty there that he wants to pick up. Um or it could be big. You know, there was the rumors that um, I believe this was one of the rumors or leaks or whatever, that the character that was rumored to be in Boba Fett's armor was actually dressed as a Tusken Raider. So maybe that could be it in the picture we just saw. I think that was a leak. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I didn't hear that. I remember the talk of Boba Fett's armor being worn by a Cobb Vanth, that guy from the Aftermath books. But other than that, I, I don't I didn't know he, he was a wearing Tusken Raider stuff either, but that makes sense for what he does. So I could be misinformed with that. Um, another thing, maybe the Mando is going back um, because maybe this happens towards the latter end of the season and uh, 
Because, you know, we, we still don't know who that um, person was that we saw in Tatooine at the end that walked up to uh, Migna Wen's character. I don't remember her name. Um, so maybe 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 it has to do with that, like trying to get some answers who killed um, her and uh, the other guy. Actually, no, we, never mind. We saw that. But uh, maybe it has to do with that. That would be my only guess. But I really do think it has to. Um, it's just not a big reason. I think it's going to be something that's not important. That would be my uh, big, big guess. Longo, you have any speculation on why we're going back to Tatooine? What's uh, on yeah, Tatooine? He, he hit on it. That's exactly why. I, I, I'm going to bet everything on this. He's going back there because of the Fennec Shan situation, because she's obviously either not dead. Mm -hmm. and they didn't show this supposed Boba Fett, whoever character, uh, going to her because she's dead. Or maybe he just found her in his thing. But it's going to be revolving around that, and I think it's going to be that Vanth guy, uh, Cade Vanth, that, that's in that armor. Um, mm -hmm. and that's what we're going to see. And, that's, and it's, so there's going to be something that draws them back there for that reason. And it's going to be that thread that was left hanging from season one. And I think this is going to actually be um, early in the season. I think the ice planet stuff, I think, is going to be later. Yeah, I could see the ice planet being later, mainly because it does look like um, kind of what Goldman was hinting at earlier is that like it's almost it almost looks like a parting scene where he, he's kneeling by Baby Yoda mm -hmm. and or the child, whatever you want to call him. And it's almost like a feels like a goodbye moment i really hope it's not but if they yeah. do have I think a goodbye moment, ship crashed because they show a ship damage remember in, in, the, in the beginning yeah the opening shot yeah, the yeah hatch was, open. Was, it was open yeah and huh. the, and the ship was just kind of like the razor crest was kind of like stumbling through through space um so i think he he emergency lands there or crash lands there and that's what happens and that, that when that picking them up too, that's that ship I was telling you about with the orange markings. Yeah, I was looking at that. There's some speculation that the planet, the ice planet that they're going to is uh, Ilum. Have you guys mm. heard about that? Where, where it's a, mm. which, what Star Killer base? I think yeah. was. I would love that. I, I think it'd be a good choice. There's supposedly a, 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 this is a leak I heard from someone uh, who came in my chat actually. Um, supposedly there's a line in episode four. This might be even earlier because this might be episode four, maybe. Great assault, mm -hmm. guys. But there's supposedly a line where they talk about a Jedi temple, and perhaps there's one here. And that's what they're there for. And if that's the case, then it could very well be Ilum. And also, mm -hmm. when that thing happened in Clone Wars, where that planet that Soka landed on, and they found, and Darth Vader shut up with the, the all the snow, they were saying she probably crash landed, or that ship crashed, the clones crash landed there on Ilum. And mm -hmm. that's where uh, all that happened. Uh, so it could all tie in in one big Gordian knot. Actually, uh, now that I think about it, because Ilum is Starkiller base, that's confirmed canon. And I don't actually I don't think they should be going to Ilum because theoretically the First Order should be working on making Starkiller base. I mean, I, uh, if Ilum is like a common, it'd be early stages. Yeah, but even if if they go to Ilum, that means it's like a somewhat of a common knowledge place that people it's not that secretive. I always pictured Circular Base as this very secret project that the First Order was working on. Um, so maybe they go there and maybe the Empire is still somewhat there. I don't think there's a Jedi Temple there based off of The Force Awakens and that I don't think there's a Jedi Temple. Um, but, but they could be going there for Jedi knowledge. Yeah. Hmm? But I'm saying that's yeah. what, but that, even if there's not one there, he could have heard maybe there is yeah, one there. And that's that's possible because it is very strong with the Force. Um, yeah. But we also see from. Uh, Fallen Order, which takes place maybe two decades before the Mandalorian, how the Empire has begun constructing or taking uh, Kyber crystals. Maybe they're they were even working on Starkiller Base. Um, so he, maybe he runs into the Empire there. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I think it's very possible that it is Ilum, but I don't think uh, 
it's going to be a Jedi temple or anything like that. The Jedi temple twist would be interesting to me just to get a little bit more into mm-hmm. the mythos of the Jedi. And I feel like that's kind of where the Mandalorian is leading into. And don't forget, John Favreau said that they're going to try to expand the scope uh, for season mm-hmm. two. And, and, you know, season one felt very grounded, felt very gritty star Wars this season. I could see them kind of getting in a little bit more into what the armor was hunting at, at the end of season one of like the sorcerers that they were going against back in the, uh, Mandalorian days and that war. I feel like we would get a little bit more of a backstory with that and how that might tie in with Baby Yoda. I would really like to see how they explore the species of Yoda and Yaddle and the child and kind of how they came to be and what their connection is to the Force. That would make a lot of sense to me. I don't know how Ahsoka would tie in with that, though. I don't really see where she would come into play. I have a question for you guys. Say, hypothetically, that Snow Planet is Ilum, and it's somewhat starting to look like Starkiller Base and the Empire is there. Maybe we even see very early remnants of the First Order. Do you think the heavy sequel connections will bother a lot of people? Personally, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I guess that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a side of the fandom that you're on kind of question. If you're a sequel fan, mm-hmm. maybe it'll bother I mean, of you. course. I, really? I'm a sequel fan. I would love to see that. Yeah, maybe it's reversed. Maybe. I guess I don't. I don't know. I, I I see. I see like the fandom menace people or people who don't like the sequels in general yeah, yeah, being like, yeah. I don't like the idea of these connecting because I don't want to think about the sequels. Because remember, right. the sequels aren't canon, guys. I don't know if you guys knew this. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to re- they're yeah, reboot. Yeah, they're, they're re- re- racing them. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot the George Lucas <laughs> cut is yeah, coming out soon or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Listen, the people are going to hate it because that those are people that just want to hate it. it, it it's not for any rational reason other than mm-hmm. it's associated with this. I don't want to hear it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. it. But if it's a good story, I think any Star Wars fan that has, you know, any any uh, 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 pride or, 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 or real love for it, as long as it's written well and it's weaved mm-hmm. in well, that's all that should matter. Because you could even say things like, see. Like here, for example, Clone Wars. Okay, we know how much everyone hated uh, for a long time Anakin's uh, portrayal in, in the prequels. Uh, and what do we get with Clone Wars? They tied it into the prequels, and they're like, "Oh, look, they made Anakin better uh, with, with the Clone Wars animated." You know what I mean? I know yeah. Goldman's going. It's like it doesn't need to get better. It's perfect the way it is. <laughs> you get what I'm I saying? Think, I don't think Star Wars is perfect. <laughs> I know, I know. But you get what I'm saying, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they could, you know, if it's weaved in well, it could mm-hmm. draw in people that hated the sequels and say. Hey, you know what? These elements they're using from the sequels are intriguing the way they're using them here. So, because mm-hmm. I, I do think the rise of the First Order, because in the in the films, the sequels, I think it was explained terribly. It wasn't explained at all. They're just they just show up basically. Yeah. But I do think the lore behind the um, First Order and how Palpatine's contingency plan wanted some a select few of the Empire to go into the unknown regions, secretly rebuild, and then come back thirty years later. I do think that's really interesting. Um, and I think if they explore that just a little bit here, and I think it will not only um, give more fans an appreciation for the sequels, but also tie in the Mandalorian into the um, Skywalker saga in the slightest. Um, I don't want it to be a, like a, an essential viewing experience if you want to watch the Skywalker saga, but just a, a little tie-ins I think would be um, neat. Not with the characters, but with just the rise of the First Order and the fall of the Empire. I think tying it there would be a really neat thing. 
Yeah, and and I'm I'm curious how much uh, there will be tie-ins to the sequels. Uh, there's already been plenty mm-hmm. of times the original trilogy, and maybe some tie-ins with the prequel trilogy. And speaking of the prequel trilogy, there has been a lot of talk about the prequels over the past five years. And recently, Liam Neeson, who played Qui Gon Jinn, defended his Star Wars movie, The Phantom Menace, saying in an interview. I got to be a Jedi. I got to play with those wonderful lightsabers and stuff. It was terrific. It really was. I liked the movie. I'm proud of it. I'm proud to have been a part of it. He went on to talk about the backlash towards Jar Jar Binks actor Ahmed Best saying this. I know a lot of fans and critics didn't like it. And my lovely friend Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks, came in for a lot, a lot of criticism to the point where it really hurt his career. And I have to say, when I was making that film, he was probably one of the funniest and talented guys I have ever worked with. I remember calling my old ex-agent at IMC and said, I think I just worked with the next Eddie Murphy. I still believe that, truly. He is one of the funniest guys. He had all of us in stitches, including George Lucas. And then, bam, film comes out, and he's attacked, personally attacked by fans and critics for whatever reasons. Goldman, I'll give this question to you first. Why do you think Liam Neeson is finally opening up about The Phantom Menace all these years later? Um. Well, actually... He what was the context in which he spoke about it? Was he asked about it or did he just quote um, the Phantom Menace out of nowhere? Do you know the context? Uh, he, he, he was on a serious XM a radio show. I can't I, I know it definitely was not Howard Stern, but it was one of mm-hmm. those popular ones. And I'm pretty confident they were talking about his career and they mm-hmm. just kind of brought up his parts in Star Wars. And, and he mm-hmm. kind of came out to defend the uh, okay. the entire um, narrative of Phantom Menace. I think Liam Neeson understands what George Lucas was going for. Because, you know, The Phantom Menace was, at the time especially, one of the most hated films. Now it's a little more appreciative. Um, And I think it speaks to George Lucas. And at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, um, did George Lucas do the right things with the prequels? Obviously, they're very flawed films, and um, they could be significantly better, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, 15 to 20 years later, these this trilogy of films are wildly popular. The kids that watch them and that have grown up love them. So did George Lucas succeed with the prequels? I think so. And I think Liam Neeson is kind of defending that aspect of um, why he enjoyed the experience so much and um, kind of defending George Lucas a little bit because he didn't really say that. But I do think um, so I do think he knows what George Lucas was going for. And he has very fond memories of The Phantom Menace. Yeah, there was a lot of experience for it. Uh, Lunga, do you have any uh, any opinions on why he's now opening up about The Phantom Menace? Because for a long time, he, at least initially after the film came out, he actually thought about retiring from acting. And, and he even told Robin Williams that it was a lot of it was the CGI that they used for The Phantom Menace, talking to someone who isn't there. And while that isn't a big deal nowadays, at the time, 1999 or 1997, mm-hmm. when they were filming this movie, that had never been done before. So, so Lunga, why do you think he's just now kind of fully opening up his opinion about this film and defending well, it? From, from the sounds of it, I I, I, I don't want to say just now opening. I think he was asked. It was, it was part of the conversation. I mean, has True. he ever really been mum? Like, have he ever asked somebody? He said no comment. I don't think he's ever done that. Um, I don't think no. no one's asked him. <laughs> you know what I mean? For the longest time. I mean, obviously, during the prequels they did, but I don't think for the longest time anyone's ever really brought it up to him. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of his uh, comments from back then were mostly, like you said, the CGI stuff, which now, as he's, you know, in his career, in his long career, it's become commonplace in every movie you're in almost, you know what I mean? So he's probably used to it. That was just him learning curve of getting used to doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I think from what I remember in hearing is that, like he said, on the set, 
it was a good time. The actors truly enjoyed being there. They enjoyed working with each other, and they enjoyed the whole um, uh, the whole experience of filming these movies. And they liked working with George Lucas, who was a legendary, you know, uh, filmmaker. So, as an actor, he truly enjoyed his time there, and he probably got along with Ahmed Best and and all the rest of them, and he had a good time with them, you know. So he doesn't like. I think it's more of a personal thing, you know. It's like, why are you gonna talk crap about especially people that were in this movie? These are all great people. We did, we did, it. we had a job to do, and we did it. And and I like them. There's no reason for them to be treated that way. Um, and it's probably just mirroring, and re maybe reminding people what happened with the sequels. That oh, you guys all love these movies now, <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But uh, what you're doing, you know, I'm paraphrasing here and guessing, but it's like what you're doing to the people in the sequels. That's what you did to us, you know what I mean? Maybe you should think about that uh, when you say this kind of stuff and the way you treat mm -hmm. people. Um, so That's I think a good it was more of a personal thing as far as uh, the, the craft and his co-workers kind of deal. Yeah, it brings up my second question um, that, that I'll give to you first, Lunga, because uh, you definitely probably going to be more familiar and remember a little bit better the backlash towards Ahmed Best. Do you think that was similar to the backlash that Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose in the sequel trilogy, uh, has received over the past few years? Do you think their situations are a little similar? It, the situation is similar, but the response isn't. Um, now, are there idiots in the world who have racial biases and 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 are and are racist and and say things just because they don't like who the actor is? Sure, of course. I'm sure those people who hated him uh, because they hated they hated uh, uh, Jar Jar to begin with, and the fact that he was a black man, they maybe they hated it even more. Sure, but again, I would beg to say that a lot of the problems people had with Jar Jar Binks, especially and the movies, was just the character and them being Star Wars fans saying this is dumb more than the fact mm -hmm. that he was a black guy. Uh, the it's similar to the Kelly Marie Tran thing where people went after her or, or went after the character, I should say, Rose, because they said this is a stupid character. Then you had the, the, the idiots that were going after her personally because of her race and her gender, which is obviously a stupid thing to do. Um, but again, most Star Wars fans didn't like the character of Rose. It had nothing to do with Kelly Marie Tran. Um, but back then, it, it, it wasn't the same situation we have now, right? It wasn't the same um, um, atmosphere, the same uh, uh, environment that, that we're living in. Uh, it was quieter. There wasn't much social media. You know, it was mostly emails probably and letters sent to him and uh, and stuff like that. Um, and people weren't quick to say, oh, it's racism from the first moment people didn't like it. Nowadays, obviously, that's the first thing people think if the actor, you know, is a person of color or, or a different gender under their male. Um, but I would say, would there, was their experiences similar? Most likely. I'm sure he got just as many um, uh, racial epithets thrown at him as Kelly Marie Tran did by some people. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they sh people shouldn't be treated that way. But at the same time, we got to separate people who just didn't like the character and people who are just assholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Uh, there was a lot of problems that people had, not only with Jar Jar, but also with the character of Rose. But the the one with Jar Jar, that I, I feel like, and this is a little bit of ignorance of not really being old enough to remember the Phantom Menace. I do feel like Ahmed got a little bit more of the brunt of hate because yeah. it was a lot easier to look at the Phantom Menace mm -hmm. and go, "What do you not like about that film?" and just simply say Jar Jar. When it came to the Last Jedi, which was the second film in the new trilogy. And, and that's where you see Kelly Marie Tran play Rose. That she wasn't the main problem people had, and it, and unfortunately for her, she was just kind of a sideline character where you know she might have, might have annoyed you, but she didn't talk 
in a very uh, annoying accent like uh, Jar Jar did. Um, Golden she, had dumb, she had dumb lines, though. That's the problem. She had very dumb lines. It's about saving what we love, not destroying what we hate right. or something like that. It, it, very cringe moments for sure for her. But also the Phantom Menace was Star Wars being back after 16 years. This was the film to really bring Star Wars back. Star Wars was already back with The Last Jedi. So I, I felt like mainly around 2017, there were already a, a decent amount of people, mainly on YouTube, I noticed, that were saying, eh, The Force Awakens is not good, and here's why, and kind of already making excuses for the films not being good, and not many people were not excited for The Last Jedi. Last Jedi, The Force Awakens, Phantom Menace, all those films had the same kind of mentality going into it of, this is going to be great because it's another Star Wars film. But Goldman, what do you think? Do you think that the backlash towards Ahmed Best is similar to Kelly Marie Tran from the sequels. I'm in a similar similar situation with you because when the Phantom Menace came out, I was not even a year old. Um, so like my earliest memories of passionate prequel hate was it wasn't as strong as it was back then, probably. Um, but to speak about Ahmed Best's experience, I mean, he did come out and say how he did have um, some thoughts with suicide because of the backlash that he got from this movie. Um, I don't know what uh, Kelly, Matran Kelly Marie Tran has been through, but um, clearly Ahmed Best didn't have, um, the aftermath of the film wasn't easy for him. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I guess it's similar. Um, I can't imagine right now that the sequel actors are very happy with um, the way they've been treated by the fans. And um, so the same thing could be said about the prequel actors. I mean, we'll probably address this later, but you McGregor talked about how he's more excited for the role um, now than he was for Attack of the Clones in Revenge of the Sith. Well, would you be super excited for a role um, for a sequel to a movie that everyone hates? Um, so I understand where it's coming from. And I do think uh, the two, uh, I'm the best and Kelly Mutran, I do think it is fairly similar. No, definitely similar situations and unfortunate mm -hmm. on both parts. Uh, I mean, absolutely, and, and both feel like it is a um, point of the race. Uh, but the last question on the uh, topic, at least with Liam Neeson, is uh, why do you guys feel like uh, there's so many prequel actors now speaking out about the films that they were in and now praising them? Because this is a different kind of tone than we had even back in 2010. In 2005, when the, when the trilogy wrapped up, there's a lot of uh, Star Wars actors from the prequels like Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, and now Liam Neeson coming out and saying, hey, th these films weren't that bad. And, um, you know, they deserve the praise that they're getting from a younger audience. Uh, Goldman, I'll give this one to you first. Uh, it could be as simple as the prequels are popular now. I mean, if you look at the sequel actors right now, every time they say something, the uh, the fandom explodes. Like Daisy Ridley talks about the plans for Ray. That's a huge topic for a few days. John Boyega talks about his experience. It's a big topic for a few days. Um, if uh, Liam Neeson came out and said this in like 2006 or 2005 or even earlier, like maybe he would get a lot of uh, crap for it because you know people are like, oh, how could you be defending these movies? These are terrible. Um, so and it's maybe it's just easier now. You know, they don't have to get uh, they're not crapped on all the time. Or it could be as simple as they they know that um, they knew what George Lucas wanted to make, that these are films for children. And now that those kids are grown up and they love them, it's just easier to reflect on it because they can say like, oh, yeah, what George Lucas wanted to happen, it worked. Kids that grew up, they love these films now and the films are very popular. So it could be either one of those two reasons or both. Or neither. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I agree that it's probably the... Um... 
It's probably the fact that it's grown in popularity so mm-hmm. much over the past few years, and, and mainly with Liam, is that now I would imagine that a large part of this is because as time has gone on, the, the media has changed the news cycle, where back then when they would talk about this, there would be a lot more attention on their comments. Now it's kind of like a niche community responding to these kind of things, where it's people mm-hmm. like us who are diehard Star Wars fans. We hear something about Star Wars news, Liam Neeson talking about this stuff. We look back at it in hindsight and go, well, you know, okay, yeah, we, we kind of respect his opinion, whereas maybe some casual audiences who hear about this kind of stuff go, well, you know, Big deal. You know, Phantom Menace was, what, 20-odd years ago now? Who cares anymore uh, kind mm-hmm. of mentality. Uh, Lunga, why do you think there's so many people reflecting, at least the actors that are reflecting on the prequel trilogy today? Uh, well, Frank, what I said earlier. I mean, I, well, what I said earlier and what we've seen. Ever since the sequel trilogy came out, they people have this mass fawning and love for the prequels. I mean, it has exploded in the last five to seven years about how much mm-hmm. people absolutely love those prequels they're coming of age they got jobs they got money uh they're more on social media so now they're 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 just like my generation was uh when the prequels came out you know we're the ones buying up all the star wars gear we're the one buying up all this you know the merchandise and and the collectibles and stuff um yeah. now the prequel ones are getting of that age and and they have a voice and they're like hey these movies were an integral part of my childhood i love it and they're not ashamed to say it and i think that's where it came from so i think a lot of the actors aside from their personal good experiences from filming these movies, feel more emboldened because they're like, you know what? The fans are loving it. They're, they're loving it. So why not? Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. You've seen the resurgence over, like you were saying the past five to seven years. And I do think a large part of it has been because of the uh, recent sequel trilogy films, whether they were loved or hated. I don't really think that mattered. I think if anyone was disappointed with it, they would look back at the prequels now and say, well, you know what? Despite the flaws, I, I kind of liked them a little bit more than what people gave them credit for back when they initially released. Another actor who has talked about the prequels is the Obi-Wan Kenobi actor Ewan McGregor himself. He said in an interview recently with Empire, you know, our films weren't much liked when they came out by my generation who loved the first ones. I think people of our generation wanted to feel the way they'd felt when they saw those first three movies when they were kids. And George Lucas wanted to take our ones in a different direction. He had a different idea. It was tricky at the time, I remember. But now all these years later, uh, all these years later, I'm really aware of what our films meant to the generation they were made for, the children of that time. They really liked them. I met people who they mean a lot to them, those films, more so than the original three. And I'm like, are you kidding? So long ago, I have to ask you, like you were saying, uh, is is this uh, kind of what you're saying on the last part is, is the prequel resurgence in the community, uh, is it so big to the point where now someone like you, McGregor, has noticed it or has it always kind of been there and, and we're just now talking about it? Is that for me? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, repeat that again. Why do you think the prequels are having such a resurgence in the community to the point where even you McGregor is now oh, noticing okay. it? Is it is like you were saying about the sequel trilogy? Is it is it the uh, is it kids like me and Goldman who are growing up and now? Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, I thought that was. See, I heard that, but I thought that was like a follow to what I said because that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, you know, yeah, people your age growing up and, and and loving it, and and we, you know, the word you, you say it all the time, so it keeps coming back. It's member berries. You know, it's like it's fond memories of your youth, and 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 what and at the time for a lot of people what introduced them to star wars uh when they're of your age or people of a people age was this you know more than the, the original trilogy mm-hmm. um and also i really think 
Um, for all its problems that we even know we can look back and say, yeah, this this is trash. Uh, for all its problems, it's aged. It's aged well. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, it, it's aged well. We can look back at it at an eye of, well, this was the you know the the CGI at the time. This was what was you know given, and and people were jumping on this technology. Um, so we can look back at it with that kind of eye and not look at it too harshly as we did mm-hmm. when it was in our faces. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think he's aged well. And the uh, the actors like I mean, the Kenobi memes alone. <laughs> you know, I mean, the high ground. Hello there. Th- those are all so popular. I, I really think if it wasn't for Obi Wan Kenobi, we wouldn't even have memes. I mean, it was that. This is why we have memes is because Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, and and uh, but yeah, um, that's that's the main reason why. And I, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think the memes are probably the driving force to the resurgence and prequel of. Uh, big shout out to the uh, Scoundrels Cantina who's watching the stream. Thank you very much for uh, joining us, guys. Uh, if you ever want to come on the show, by all means, you know how to contact me, and I've enjoyed our conversations of the past. So thank you very much for watching. Uh, Goldman, uh, do you agree with Lunga? Do you think that the uh, prequel resurgence is a large part of me and you uh, kind of growing up and people of our age, the memes apparently being a big one? I think that's a big part of it. I think another potentially interesting way to look at it is that when Disney first bought bought Star Wars, and especially in that 2015 year when The Force Awakens was coming out, one could argue that Disney uh, or Lucasfilm was sort of disrespecting the prequels. Like if you looked at the um, 2015 Star Star Wars celebration, people talked about how you couldn't see anything prequels related anywhere. And same thing with 2016. And I think... When a lot of these fans of the prequels saw that the owners of this franchise were kind of disrespecting those films, you know, it's they really didn't like that. It made them more passionate about their love for the prequels, so much so that now people are excited at the possibility of Hayden Christensen returning as Anakin, which if you brought that up 10 years ago, that would be crazy. So I think I do think us, our kids, our age are a big part of it. And I think maybe the way Lucasfilm handled uh how they how much they respected or disrespected the prequels was a big part of it. That's true. They handled criticism pretty well, and it didn't seem like it was. Um, it, there's a way to respond to criticism, and I feel like Lucasfilm in general and Star Wars in general handled a lot of the critiques of the prequels quite well. And I think Lucasfilm, modern day Lucasfilm, at least under Disney, mm-hmm. is handling the response to it uh, pretty well as well with the uh, kind of. Not the stain for the prequels that some older fans have, but the love that the younger fans have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to address this question from uh, Comet Star. Thank you very much for the super chat, my friend. He says, can't they retcon Luke's story and have him rebuild the order sooner? They retcon the Ahsoka novel for the Clone Wars finale. <sighs> I, I know, Goldman, you, you are a fan of Luke and the kind of Jedi Academy he's got going on in the, mm-hmm. at least the sequel trilogy in that story. What's your response to this? For one, the two retcons that he talks about with the Ahsoka novel are vastly different. Um, They didn't really retcon much in the Ahsoka novel. Like, the Ahsoka novel begins with a prologue of a conversation between her and Maul on the Siege of Mandalore. And yes, some things were changed, like when exactly Order 66 happened. Um, In the novel, said Ahsoka still had her green lightsabers. But if you just look at the broader story, the same things still happened. Ahsoka survived, Rex survived, Maul escaped. So the main thing still happened. Um, but with Luke's Academy, I mean, it's you could retcon some of that. You could have Luke 
build an academy earlier on. Um, but now the big thing is you can't retcon what was said in The Last Jedi. So at some point, you're going to have to have Kylo Ren um, potentially kill the rest of the students, even though a comic came out that said that didn't, that's not what really happened. Um, uh, or uh, a lot of the students escape and go elsewhere. Um, so you can change Luke's Jedi Order a little bit, but it still has to coincide with The Last Jedi because as much as you hate that film, you can't retcon the films. Like if if it was popular to retcon the films, then I guarantee the prequels would have been retconned in the late mid the late two thousands. So because you never know, in twenty years maybe the sequels are vastly loved, and if people did retcon it, then they would hate the new content that retconned the sequels. If you get what I'm saying, so yeah, you can't retcon the movie, um, but yeah, you could change a little bit of Luke's Academy. I mean, you'd be retconning something that was in a visual dictionary because it's in a visual dictionary of the Rise of Skywalker where it says Luke started his academy with Ben Solo. So yeah, I mean, if you really want to do, sure, you can change that. Um, but then it's like, do you really want Luke to build this big academy and then it gets destroyed by the time of the sequels? So yeah, that's yeah, that's something you'd have to ask yourself. ruined a lot of uh, cool opportunities in terms of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Longer, do you have a yeah. response to this at all? I mean, I, I do regret that they gave such a long time of Luke doing nothing because that, you know, I, well, not nothing. He was doing something, but not something that you could really build stories off of. Let's put it that way. It, they'd be very boring stories after a while. Um, mm -hmm. So I do I do regret that issue. Uh, but, you know, at, at the same like to Goldman's point, he's right. I mean, the stuff in his so novel changed. It was minor things. It'd be like saying like, uh, OK, well, according to the canon right now, Luke built his academy on this planet. But then uh, in a show later, he did it on this planet. But it's still the same academy. The same events happen where it's at. It's kind of a minor point at, at that point. So these little things don't matter. Like someone mentions how they fought in the city square, not the throne room with Ahsoka and Maul. But if that really mattered. They still fought. It was still on Mandalore and it still, it still had the same result. So that little thing is a minor thing that doesn't really, it's not really a retcon. It's just a scene change, if you will, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, you know, I don't, yeah, they should listen as much as I would like, you know, to have things the way I've wanted it. No, don't, don't go retconning stuff that, that that's annoying. Hey, tearing it all up and start it over. Dude, it happened. It's over. The sequels happened. They're over. Get over it. Move on. Let's try to hope get something new. Okay. And get something better. They're not changing it. Don't wish for them to retcon it. You're going to piss off a whole slew of fans who like it. And you're going to the same, going to be in the same problem. And this time you're just the ones are happy. Now someone else is pissed off. Isn't the whole point for all Star Wars fans to be generally happy? Not just some. Yeah. You're not going to please everyone. And, and that's the kind of the problem with this is that once you go retconning things, Who's to say that the next Lucasfilm president, the next members of the Lucasfilm story group, uh, retcon that retcon kind of thing? You know, it, once the, mm -hmm. I like Lunga's and uh, Goldman's point on like mainly like the, the films are kind of uh, the part where you don't really retcon much. The books, sure. What happens? I feel like when we watch on TV in terms of movies and animated shows and all that, that's kind of the stuff that we have to adhere to in some sense. Uh, but back to the prequel trilogy stuff, um, I do want to ask both of you guys about kind of George Lucas's approach to this. Uh, do you think George Lucas was smart to take the prequel trilogy in a different direction than the original trilogy? And I'll give this to you first, Lunga. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the core of the story was there. I mean, what were we watching? We The whole point of the prequel trilogy was to see Anakin's fall. That was, that was the whole point. And we got that. Yeah, there's all these other things that we can complain about. But we got that. We got we got the seduction from Palpatine. We got Anakin's fall. We see 
Obi-Wan's grief. We get to see the parents of Luke and Leia, the mother, um, and we see how that all played out. Uh, so, yeah, it, when you're telling parts of a story, especially in a, it's a different era, you know what I mean? There's going to be a different direction. I mean, if, it would have been not it would have felt wrong to me if it went the exact same kind of direction as the first one did, because it's supposed to. The whole point of this is it's not a redemption. It's a fall. You know what I mean? So it's it's got to go in a different direction. Um, and yeah, like I said, there's all these little things they could have did to make it better. Uh, but when you get at the core and the heart of the story, it did what it was supposed to do. And I think that was a good move. What do you think, Goldman? Uh, how do you feel about Lucas's approach to the prequel trilogy as opposed to the original? Um, see, I see it a little bit of a different way. I feel like the prequels is what George Lucas always wanted to do with Star Wars. He was just limited by the technology of his time. Like if George Lucas was born 20 years later, I feel like the sequels would have a bigger scope with like a planet like Coruscant and stuff like that. So I feel like him with the prequels, yeah, it's vastly different than the originals but only because he was limited by his time. But even if that wasn't the case, I do think it was a smart decision to take it in a different direction, I guess, because I think most people would agree, and uh, myself included, that the best part of the prequels is the world building, at least for me. The world building of the prequels is impeccable. Like, it's very well done, far better than, I would argue, um, the sequels. I mean, everyone would agree with that pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, and then, look... Prequel fans now love it, and if the pre if the prequels were good movies, but the world building wasn't as good, and they were just are basically a remake of the originals, I don't think they would be as loved as they are today. And that's my concern about the sequels that you know they don't have that world building that the prequels have. So will it be as beloved in X amount of time? We'll see. Um, but I do think a world building and how different it is from the originals is a big reason why the prequels worked at the end of the day. Yeah, you had a good point about the the approach Lucas took on the prequels compared to the originals where mm -hmm. it was really limited by the technology that he had at the time when he was making the originals in the 70s and 80s and he was they always said, you know, when he watched Star Wars, at least a new hope when that came out in 1977, People fell in love with it, but Lucas saw an imperfect film. He was like, I'm glad you like this, mm -hmm. but he even said when it came to special editions, you fell in love exactly. with a half-completed film. And mm -hmm. I think you see that a little bit with the prequels, where he doesn't really care much about the story of it, because, in my opinion, the story, the writing, the dialogue, there's a lot of problems with the prequels in terms of story structure, but he really was uh, wanting to captivize you with the world and, and kind of the aesthetic of how everything looks. And you can really see that with his first film, THX 1138. You really see the kind of George Lucas way of making worlds and looking very futuristic, like you're going to a completely different galaxy and having every different world. Uh, like, like even what, what's the one that they visit? Uh, Naboo in the first one, the Phantom Menace, when they go underwater and, and go to the Gungan City, even today, it's still a really beautiful scene and really like, mm -hmm. scenery alone. I'm like, it's interesting. So I do think his approach was uh, was different in the way of disappointing for storytelling, but correct in the way of building worlds for Star Wars. And that does make the prequels a little bit more interesting than some of the other trilogies that we've seen, at least in terms of the era that they're set in. Uh, one thing Ewan also mentioned in this interview is that he's more excited for the new Kenobi series than he was for episodes two and three. And I know you touched on this, Goldman, but why do you think that Ewan is more excited for this new series than he was for the second and third installment for the prequel films. Um, I would say because the response of the Phantom Menace. Um, and I'm pretty sure the sequel actors can attest to this too. 
Like I, I can't imagine production on the Rise of Skywalker was as fun as it was for The Force Awakens. I mean, if you look at stuff, if you look at the promo and the behind the scenes stuff of The Force Awakens, I mean, the actors are so excited, you know, because uh, the fans were really excited and it just that energy just feeds off of each other. And after The Last Jedi, you know, with all the negative reaction that feeds into the process of making the film. So I can only imagine that it's the same with the um, the prequels. Now, I don't really remember. Um, I was too young to remember what the actors were like back then. Were they super happy about everything or were they kind of just meh and they had to do interview- they had to do interviews because just because they had to kind of like with the sequel actors and the rise of Skywalker. Um, but I would imagine that a big reason is because of the backlash of the Phantom Menace. And now since Obi-Wan is one of the most beloved characters and it's almost universally agreed that Ewan McGregor is one of the best part of the prequels, people, a lot of people are excited for the show. So he is also going to be excited about it. And I think that's a probably the biggest reason why. I agree. I, I think that the the backlash has a, a big impact on it. Uh, have to give a big shout out though to uh, uh, Bravo Oliver. Woo! Thank you very much for the super chat, man. That is a lot. That's way too much, but we do appreciate it. He says, uh, "Thank you. Keep up the great work, y'all. May the force be with you, and may the force be with you as well, my friend. Appreciate that. It does help out the show and the behind the scenes kind of production that goes into it. Uh, but to you, Longo, what do you think uh, about you McGregor being more excited for episodes or for this new Kenobi series than he was for episodes two and three. What do you think that means? The answer is simple, dude. He's Star Wars Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's there. There, there are mothers around the world who have his picture on their mantle, thinking this man is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be fair. Okay, let's. He was very young in his career when the prequels came out. No one really knew who he was as that mm-hmm. much. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. He was playing young Obi Wan, but after the prequels, he grew to legendary status with the hello there's and and being Obi Wan Kenobi. Now fans are dying to see him as Obi Wan Kenobi. They're ah, so of course he's more excited to do this one. You know what I mean? He's he's waiting to bask in the glow of love from the Star Wars fans uh, for doing it. Yeah, I think he will too. I, I can't imagine this not going well for him and and boosting his resume a little bit more. And even um, when, when they were kind of like announcing this, there were a lot of interviews leading up to the announcement in August of 2019 mm-hmm. that he was going to like asking him about him reprising his role. And even in when they announced it, like there were so many moments where he was on like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, all these like late night talk shows because. There's a lot of interest in him as an actor and him as a character. And he's his, like you were saying, Longa, his career has really exploded after the prequel trilogy came out. And he's done so many movies, even in the past five years. I mean, he was in that movie, Dr. Sleep. Uh, I, I watched him in that movie, Moulin Rouge, that came out many years ago. And that was really good. I mean, he's a phenomenal Birds actor. I think a lot Birds of us know it. <laughs> Birds of Prey. Don't forget Birds of Prey. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of that movie. Um, I didn't even know Hugh McGregor was in that. Actually, I would don't know yeah. don't know what you're talking about. We don't <laughs> but last question on this topic, um, at least for uh, his what, what he was saying about it was, uh, do you think this new series can flesh out the character of Obi Wan more than the prequels? And I'll give this to you first, Lunga, because a lot of people complained when the prequels came out that there wasn't a lot of character development for Obi Wan. Yeah, I mean, he was he was kind of a um, a plot device. He was there because I'm the one that cuts off his arms and legs. That's why I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, let, let's be fair. That's kind of what it was, you oh, know, wow. he, 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 the plot device. But oh, we got to stop now. I'll, I'm going to stop for a Jesus. moment. Really? Oh, 
Well, come on, bro. Gotta make it even. If you want to head over to Great Council, give me a subscribe and a follow. <laughs> really appreciate it. Uh, well, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank give, you. Give, give both of them a, a like and a subscribe. And may, Goldman's we're trying to reach that monetization status and longer. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, hit it. Uh, what was it? A month or two ago now? Uh, almost, almost three months. You know they're jacking me in my check again still for stupid reasons. I'll get into that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that off. We'll talk about that off. Bra Bravo will help you out for sure. I promise you that. Um, thank you very. Thank you, Bravo. For, for thank you. But as far as Obi Wan goes, um, you know, yeah, he was kind of a plot device in the prequels. They didn't do much with him. Um, and I really feel while, uh, you know, it was important, obviously, what happened in prequels and what led up to that. I really think the character development of the Obi-Wan we know from the original trilogy happens during these years. So I think this is important. It is important of more than any other character. You know what I mean? Because this is when he's dealing with the guilt and the regret. And he's going to and he starts out as most likely a very grief stricken, uh, lost all hope and, and depressed person that grows into this older man that, that finds hope again. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think this is an important integral story to tell with him, even possibly even more important than what we got in the prequels. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. in terms of developing the character, you're right. It is going to be a little bit more important than the prequels because the prequels were about the fall of Anakin Skywalker, uh, mm -hmm. him being this Jedi that was supposed to be the chosen one, even though he did kind of fulfill that destiny in a way until the rise of Skywalker came out. He was the he was the hero of our story that tragically fell to the villain. And personally, I always thought the prequel should have been about Obi-Wan and Anakin, not as a side character, but that story kind of fleshing out through Obi-Wan's eyes, because I think it would line up with Star Wars just a little bit better. But I think this is the route to go with Obi-Wan and exploring how he's dealing with that aftermath. But we do have a little bit of good news for the Kenobi series. Nothing new or major. Uh, I, I almost jumped the gun on a so-called scoop. Uh, earlier this week, uh, but earlier in the year before the Kenobi series was delayed for script rewrites, the working title for the show was called Pilgrim, and it was expected to start production in July, but now it seems like the script rewrites are completely finished, and we do have a production update for the series. The working title for the series does remain the same as it did earlier this year, using the title of Pilgrim, but I can now also confirm that the series will begin production in November of this year and end in July of 2021. So, Lunga, do you think this means that the show is now going to release in 2022? No, I don't. You know, crap. Whatever thing has been going on, yeah, that's a damn possibility. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, 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 I think it's still going to be coming out in 2021. Um, I think this may be a little, a, a bit of a panic button uh, uh, thing. Uh, I, I, especially with all the delays ahead, I don't think they can afford. I mean, they may might try to blame it on the pandemic, you know what I mean? But yeah. I don't think we can afford the PR hit to wait until 2022 for this. Yeah, well, mainly if 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 what I was told is right of them ending production in July, it's almost like why would you hold on to that for a whole possibly a year, six to eight months? I mean, we, we don't know how – like if they release it in 2022, I wouldn't imagine them releasing it in the first half. I mean, when I say that, I mean the latest they would release it is probably in – maybe April or May in order to kind of hit that Star Wars month, that normal cycle. So I, I'm kind of curious on when they will release this. And if production does end in July, like I was told, then yeah, I could see them putting it out in late 2021, but they still have two shows coming out in 2021, the Cassie Andor series and the Bad Batch series. 
I honestly think that casting Andor series won't be in twenty. I think if anything gets pushed to twenty twenty, it would be that. Okay, because, that, that's fair. Because I mean, because Obi Wan was supposed to start filming and it didn't, and they're talking about we have dates, right? We don't have dates for for Candor asking for uh, uh, Cassian Andor for filming, do we? I don't think we have any dates even when they begin. Uh, some scoopers have been saying that, like they, um, I, I know Diego Lunas did say himself that they were going to start up filming again. But like you were saying, that there's not like an actual date for it. Both the Kenobi series and the Cassian Andor series have like Disney release dates, or it's kind of like with the um, when they before they delayed the Star Wars films, they had here's the goal on like what year we want to release this. And Cassian Andor was 2021, and Kenobi series was 2022. But with the production update we just got, it's kind of like well. If you're finished with Kenobi in July of 2021, why would you not release it? Right. And maybe, you know, November, kind of like we did with the Mandalorian season one. Uh, the, the next series that we can talk about, though, is uh, kind of a, um, an interesting one, to say the least. There is word uh, going around that there is a Mace Windu project in the works over there at Lucasfilm. This comes from the scooper named Daniel RPK, who said the project will be a standalone story with a young actor playing the young Mace Windu and Samuel L. Jackson playing an older Mace Windu. Goldman, I always like getting your takes on what series interest you and which ones do not. Do you want a Mace Windu series? <sighs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm more open to it than maybe some of the other shows that have been listed. But I just think it's a really weird series. Uh, I mean, Mace Windu's just never been a really interesting character to me at all. I feel bad talking about, bad about this, because I feel like every time we talk about a new Disney Plus series, I'm always negative about it. Um, but just, this is a really... I don't want them to do shows off characters. Like, I want them to explore new group... What I mean by shows off characters, like where the title of the show is like Windu, a Star Wars story, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Like Obi-Wan's the only exception, really. Um, I want them to do stories about just unique stories that don't have to revolve around characters we already know, um, unless it progress, unless it's like Ahsoka and we don't know where her story ends. Um, but like Mace Windu, I don't know. I, I've just never been interested in the character. He's always been kind of just a meme to me. Um I mean, if it takes place during the Clone Wars, I guess that would be kind of interesting. Um, Samuel Jackson, though, he's much older now. I guess they could de-age him. That costs a lot of money. Yeah, um, they did it with uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, but the mm -hmm. guy's in the 70s, and I think he looks pretty good for, uh, what is he, 71? Yeah. So, uh, he's got the wit. Can, 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 you get, can you get Samuel L. Jackson to still do very extreme lightsaber fights? I mean, yeah, you could easily have a stunt double, um, but... I don't know. Maybe they'll have a younger Miss Windu, and I don't know. I'm I'm not too keen on this series, but again, all these series do have the possibility of being great. Um, just I don't think the announcement of a single character getting a show can make can make me excited. I want to know more about what the story is going to be. Like if they announce something like Rogue One, where they're like, okay, we're gonna explore a story where um, the Bothans got the plans for the second Death Star. Like, yeah, okay, I'd be more into that because I know more about what the story is going to be about. It's not just going to be a backstory off of a character that dies. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be too excited about this. And I'm honestly really surprised that this is even a thing. I, I, I would be shocked if a Mace Windu series did happen. 
Okay. What about you, Longa? Do you, do you want this uh, Mace Windu hap- thing to happen? It could be a series, could be a uh, standalone project. That'll be the next question. But what do you think about a uh, continuing the Mace Windu story? Well, first I want to say, uh, uh, Star uh, Goldman's wrong. It's not Windu in Star Wars story. I scooped the name already. It's Purple Saber oh, Moan. <laughs> that's, that's Purple Saber Moan. Uh, but no, um, <laughs> you know what? Would I would I like to see this? Eventually, yeah. But I really think, like Goldman, what Goldman was saying, I, I, they need to uh, cor- course correct and get and get the get the ship straight first. You know what I mean? Uh, let's get some good new stories going. Let's get some some good um, uh, expansive sure. world building uh, and 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 new stuff going first. Show that you can handle Star Wars again. Then you, if you want to go back to these legacy characters later and bring up some stories, sure, go ahead. I just don't think we need this now. Like this shouldn't be the next thing on the slate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of a lot to do a Mace Windu story. Mainly, like the idea of having a younger actor play. Uh, when do and it gets confusing on when the timeline takes place and all that and plus samuel jackson has been advocating for a uh role as Windu again like he, he's been wanting to reprise this for quite some time and i do think it's um oddly similar to the reports of a lando series where you have older billy d williams reprising his role as lando and then donald glover playing a young lando and it's kind of like, is this going to be the exact same thing? It, it's just oddly convenient. Now, that's a little different, though, with a Lando show, because Lando's alive after the rise of Skywalker, so you could have yeah. flashbacks. Like, Mace Windu died when Samuel Jackson was much younger. So is this going to be like a story where Mace Windu's like alive in the Clone Wars, telling a story of a much younger version of himself? Goldman, Goldman. He played a young Nick Fury. Come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jumped off that window, d- dived through a portal, and then ended up on Earth in the '90s. I think is when the yeah. Captain Marvel takes place. So that's his story. Uh, I mean, do I, you I think? Do you think they want to devote that kind of money to de-aging a the main character uh, of a series? Well, he's not the main character. He's he's only. I'm. He's seriously. I could see if they if this is actually real and if it happens, I could mm-hmm. see them showing him in the first three or four minutes of the episode. And then in the last three or four minutes of the episode, meaning he's remembering something, then they showed a young actor doing it, and then there's a prologue of him at the end of the episode. Uh, I guess. So that's not as much. It's not as much money as you think. Just for some yeah, quick, yeah, I know. You know, I, I just find that story to be very, or that idea, because we all know the story. I find that idea to be very lame. Yeah, it could, could be. Uh, but I have to ask you this, Longa: Should this be a standalone movie? Or a limited series, both would possibly come out on Disney Plus because let's be honest, they would not put a uh, no. box office risk on this kind of thing. No, I, if if this if they're going to go through with this, do it the same as Kenobi limited series. Okay, I agree. What about you, Goldman? Uh, standalone movie on Disney Plus or limited series on Disney Plus? I would say limited series, just because I can't picture them ever doing a high budget standalone movie just for Disney Plus. It's just it just seems far a much better idea to do a limited series. You can explore the character more. You can spread it out over a longer period of time, which keeps um, viewers subscribed for a longer period of time. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't I can't picture them ever doing a standalone movie just for Disney Plus. And even if they were to, uh, I would have hoped they learned their lesson from Solo. I mean, you talk about Han Solo, one of the most popular characters. Now, to be fair, that was a different actor, um, but I, don't, I still don't. I 
limited series. That's what it in quotes should be. No, I'm I'm taking a different route. Actually, I would prefer uh, them do kind of a small standalone movie that mm. does not go beyond an hour. Um, and and technically, that would just honestly just even be a show. I mean, they probably use stagecraft technology like they use for the Mandalorian mm. and the Kenobi series, and even the Cassian Andor series. The production cost of these things are now becoming a lot smaller. And don't forget, I know we we all forget, but um, there's a man named J. D. Dillard who. According to the Hollywood Reporter, and they, they've gotten a lot of great scoops in the past, this man is going to be making his own Star Wars movie. It may not be the 2023 film. That, that's one I'm not betting on. But Hollywood Reporter did say they don't know if the movie he is going to make is going to be on Disney Plus or if it's going to be a box office release. And um, I, I have to say, with Disney's um, kind of diversity of casting, I could see them being like, hey, why don't we get a... Uh, a young black filmmaker who's as talented as J.D. Dillard, who's close to J.J. Abrams, direct a very small production film about Mace Windu, a very prominent uh, black actor and, and black character in the Star Wars universe. Y you guys think that could be a possibility? I, I just feel like that would be, in my opinion, if I was president of Lucasfilm, the route I would go if I already hired this guy to direct a small film. Uh. I guess. I mean, the the race aspect that you brought up is a very good point. You know, that is a big thing nowadays, so I could totally see that. Um, but this whole J.D. Dillard thing, when was that scoop announced? Wasn't it like over a year ago at this point? Definitely over a year ago. Let me... Uh, it's a little um, so, up when he talks about it. Um, so even if it's over a year ago, I feel like this is one of the announcements that... Because it wasn't really an announcement, it was just a scoop by a very credible source. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, again, I just don't picture Disney Plus ever having movies, um, especially a Star Wars I mean, movie. If we're going to go that far back, we can pull up the stories about Ray being Kenobi, too, if you want. I mean, yeah, well, well I have to make a correction. <laughs> it was not over a year ago. Uh, this is coming from Variety. Uh, I think that's who got it. They say uh, Lucasfilm was developing a new Star Wars feature film with slight writer director J.D. Dillard and Luke Cage writer Matt Owens. Variety has confirmed. And this was in February of 2020. This year, oh, wow! So it's, See, it seems it, like a year ago. Yeah, it feels. Oh god, yeah, it feels like it feels like 10 years ago at this point. <laughs> so I, I, I still have to say this has to. He has to be somewhere in the works for Lucasfilm in the near future. Mm -hmm. And they, they say feature film, and to me that means it's going to be over an hour. But if they're going to do a film that's not going to come out to the theaters, and they're not willing to risk box office stuff, I think a uh, Mace Windu. Little small standalone film would be the route to go. Lunga, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with JD Dillard. I mean, I, I, I would like, I wouldn't mind seeing him um, direct something. Uh, it, but to try to limit it to say he needs to helm something with a black, I mean, we have three, and one of them they screwed the pooch on already because uh, Finn ain't ever coming back. Um, and the other one is too old, he can barely walk. Uh, unless unless they want to use young Lando and bring in, you know, uh, uh, um, Danny Glover again, uh, if he wants to do it. And then we have Mace Windu. Um, just let the man direct. You know, yep. I mean, if, if he's a good director, let him direct, whatever it is. I mean, like we talk about Deborah Chow. It's like, we'll take Deborah Chow directing anything, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. Just, just have her directing it. It doesn't matter what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the same situation. If he's, he's a good director, let him do it. Let him do anything to try to make it be this, like, I don't know, a repeat of, of uh, uh, Black Panther. You know what I mean? Um, is is that really necessary? We're trying to tell stories here, right? And and you want to take one, 
you know, of the three major black actors from Star Wars that while people liked, it's not like he was a huge character and try to force a story just because you want to have a black actor with a black director. That's when that's when the problems start with storytelling. It's like have Jenny Dilla direct, but maybe like I said, do something new. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be Mace Windu. And if you want that cast to be black, you can have that cast. But why is it gonna be Mace Windu? You know, it's just like, come on. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of reaching on on my part, and uh, to to be honest, I'm not gonna predict that it will happen. I am just extremely curious to find out what JD Dillard is going to be doing with Star Wars in terms of film, and if this Mace Windu thing comes to fruition, because it it comes from a guy uh, I think, like I said, Daniel RPK is his name, and he really does not do a lot of Star Wars scoops, but when he does them, and it's like once every year, if not every few years, they're normally always come to fruition. So I'm betting that this yeah. Mace Windu thing does happen, but. Man, well, that, DD, DDL says it's not happening. Well, then that's all we need to know. I might as well start using the three-letter abbreviation, too. If he's an RPK, <laughs> I'll be DDL. DDL says it's not happening. No, that's fair. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And if it doesn't happen within the next five years, then one of you definitely gets the uh, bragging rights. So last little <laughs> bit, which is uh, kind of not even news, but small news, is this uh, Tamir Morrison, reportedly his agency has confirmed that he's cast as a yeah. vet. I'll and just pull up an article for that now. I didn't uh, know that. L- LRM Online has an article about, oh, no, uh, no, that's not LRM. Uh, comicbook.com has an article. Okay. No, they're, they're they're more or less really credible. Uh, I mean, if, it, apparently it's the Australian news agency that did it, and um, I know people who know Tamir Morrison quite well, but I don't dare know him enough to reach out and be like, "Hey, is this true?" Because they probably wouldn't know either. But um, I, I'm this is no surprise to me. People have been saying mm-hmm. that he he's gonna. I know Hollywood Reporter specifically said that he was coming back, so this isn't big news, and um, I, I'm happy to hear it. But uh, if you guys have any final comments on Tamara coming in as Boba Fett or anything that we talked about today, uh, say it now or forever hold your uh, peace is the word. I don't know. Say what you got. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm glad it's at least him coming back to play the uh, actor, not some random person. You no, know, I like continuity. He is a clone. Um, that is one of this few uh, special edition changes I like. They did change Boba Fett's voice actor to uh, Tamora Morrison, I believe. Um, so, yeah, you know, yay for continuity. Uh, not a Boba Fett fan, but yay for continuity. <laughs> um, Yeah, we don't even have to worry about an article, dude. I I went, they linked his uh, agencies. Uh, Showcast is his agency and it has his profile. And mm-hmm. here it says 2020 television, Boba Fett. Well, there you go. It's, it's official. He's going to be in it and shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but it's just more confirmation that it's actually happening I'm, for one, kind of excited to do it. I, I'm still disappointed. My boy, my friend, Daniel Logan, did not get it. Uh, I, I wanted him to gig as a, as a, what was it, Boba Fett again. I think I have it up here for you, Longa. Oh, wait, now i got to remove the uh, picture. I'm sorry. Let me get that real quick. There we go. Yeah, so here's, uh, this is his agency, Showcast. And it's Tamara Marison, and uh, it's hard for probably people to see. But here we go. Uh, credits, television, Boba Fett, Mandalorian season two. It's all the confirmation we needed. It's happening. Uh, I, I wonder what episode it'll be in, and I wonder how big the reaction will Ooh. be. Because it says, actually, uh, it says director various. Does that mean he's in more than one episode? Possibly, or they don't know which. They maybe not know that is true. Which director is doing mm-hmm. that episode? Even though they're all done, they should know. But maybe it, when they, I don't know. But yeah, there are various directors. 
because he might he might know like the story of his episode, but he mm-hmm. the secrecy around these kind of things. He might not know specifically what episode or what chapter in season two that he is in. Like if he, if it's going to be like chapter five, six, or one or two, like he he just may not know anything about that. Right. Mm-hmm. We we definitely know that John Favreau is directing the first episode of season one, so I'm kind of looking forward to that just to see what he can do as a, a director again. And and because we haven't seen him direct some, anything since I think The Lion King uh, came out, and I didn't see it, but from everything I heard, it was not worthy of seeing. So uh, excited! Didn't they announce um the whole uh, directors list for season two? Yeah, or was that rumored? I believe they did. If I remember correctly, it is John Favreau is coming to direct. Dave Filoni is returning. Rick Famuyiwa was returning. Um, Rodrigo I, Ramirez, I think is his name. He's in it. Uh, who's the guy who directed Ant Man? Do either of you guys know? Uh, I forgot the name. He's supposed to be in it as well. And then, um, uh, if, I'm, if I'm forgetting somebody, oh, Bryce Dallas Howard. That's that's number six. So that's six people that I know of for sure. Uh, I can't think of there, there's eight episodes, so I can't think of the other two. If there are other two other directors, oh, um, Carl Weathers. So that's seven. Oh yeah, they got him doing directing an episode two this this season. Yeah. Um. And then oh, uh, yeah, that's a, Kathleen Kennedy. She's directing episode <laughs> eight. <laughs> bring back uh, Ryan Johnson direct episode eight. Ah, I get oh, it. Uh, honestly, that would be kind of funny, and I could see him directing because he's had experience with the uh, television. Oh. <laughs> that's all the time we have for today, my friends. Thank you all for joining us here on Chatooine. Uh, this was a very good uh, episode, and we're happy to finally be on Spotify and iTunes. Hopefully, if you. I mean, if you're at this point in the stream, you're probably not even going to listen to it. But if you ever need to be on Spotify, uh, probably on Saturdays and Sundays, the day or two after the stream is over. Thank you all for joining us. We're going to try to be back on October 2nd and have our first guest with us. Make sure you subscribe to Darth Daddy Lunga and Goldman's channels, whose channel links are in the description below. Can't wait to see you all here on Chatooine again. And make sure you do uh, like, comment, and subscribe because it does help out the channel. Like, comment, and subscribe on Lunga and Goldman's channel because it helps them out as well. We will see you all next time, and may the force be with you always.